When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm Rich Fay and I'm delighted as always to be joined by Samuel Luckhurst. Thank you for having me as always. And by Charlotte Dunker. Hi. You're not going to thank me for inviting you in today or? No, I feel like I'm on the reserve bench. Yeah, you are. Yeah. You're the Scott McTominay of the Manchester is Red wow, podcast. Wow, that's the second insult you've given me today. But we're not sending you out on loan, right. so that's fine. Don't okay. worry about that. The transfer window is still open, so there's two weeks for me to yeah, we'll decide to put in a transfer request. Watch this space. <laughs> I don't think it's a request if no one will take you, but... Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> but someone we are keeping hold of, Samuel, it's been a busy week uh, for United on and off the pitch and Jose Mourinho has been speaking, he's got a new sort of short-term punditry role with being sports uh, and he's spoken about his well it's the first time he's made publicly spoken openly about his apart from that time Gary Cottrell uh, <laughs> accosted him on in, in uh, London uh, yeah I mean I think we always knew everybody was kind of like huddled around the being sports Twitter uh, feed around the time he was appearing on it and fortunately for us it, it was one it was in English and also they helpfully tweeted out all the clips I mean for one he seemed very very prepared for it um i mean amid all the talk of the non-disclosure act he managed to pretty much refer to united without referring to united specifically i think the you know what he said about there being behind the scenes issues and if people knew about that they'd be more complimentary about his reign there i think People kind of like knew, have always been lucid to the fact that there's there are problems at the hierarchical level there. United are even aware of that because they plan to, you know, implement this new structure. Uh, but what was quite uh, amusing, I thought, was when he outlined his ideal structure and he actually said that a director of football is needed, which for one goes against his own history with directors of football, which has been pretty fraught, whether it's Valdano at Real Madrid or Michael Emanalo. At uh, at Chelsea, and upon his sacking, United told us that the reason why they didn't have a director of football in place but want to appoint one was because Mourinho refused to work under one. So there were two sides to every story. So there was a contradiction there, and he was he was talking about player power and how to man manage players, which obviously he's it's quite clear he's not an expert at because that was possibly his biggest failing at United but he brought out that quote uh, from Ferguson 2003 Uh, it it wasn't verbatim but Ferguson certainly said something along those lines at the time when United did sell uh, sell David Beckham to Real Madrid uh, amid growing concerns that his celebrity profile was was dwarfing the club and Ferguson just said as Mourinho did earlier this season that no player is bigger than the club and Mourinho's point was that that is just not the case anymore and by that he means it's not the case anymore at Man United because Paul Pogba is bigger than the club and he was using that as an example that player power now reigns at United which I think everybody knew upon with the, uh, with the decision to sack him because however brilliantly Pogba has been under Solskjaer and however poor 
or questionable Mourinho's man management was of him. This was a player who was knowingly offered to Manchester City a year ago, uh, a player who destabilised United with some very um, striking comments and mix zones this season. Thinking about Leicester, Brighton, Wolves was the, the big one. Uh, Mourinho made him second captain at the start of the season. Well, he, I mean, he captained United in the first couple of games when Valencia wasn't available. And this was Mourinho's chance without explicitly referring to Pogba kind of like singling out Pogba for being for being a big problem at United which he was um, Mourinho was was a problem as well I mean his, his management was incredibly flawed but as I said there are two sides to every story uh, there is going to be a point no doubt where he will be more explicit and go into more specifics about what went wrong at United I mean the interesting thing is you look at this season United are outside the top four just just taking away the feel good factor under Solskjaer out of the equation they're outside the top four they spent the summer transfer window more time keeping players who wanted out rather than signing players they've lost five games before Christmas in the league the manager's been sacked before the end of the season and fans have been have, have had to resort to cheering on City in the hope that they prevent Liverpool from winning the league so we've come full circle back to the David Moyes season the only difference this time is Woodward has taken the proactive decision to sack the manager uh, before Christmas which is I thought he should have done with Moyes and that could salvage United's season it's created a hell of a managerial bounce and come May we may we, we might look back at that decision and say you know that was the making of Ed Woodward I think if United don't win anything and finish outside the top four then it's proof that you know coming full circle the system is really is broken and the biggest problem at United was not Mourinho but the board and, and maybe Woodward as well Charlotte, do you have any sympathy for Mourinho? I know lots of United fans that, even just mentioning the word Mourinho, it sort of divides them on social media. Some say, we've had enough of him, let's just stick on the on the here and now. Some other fans do want to know maybe what went wrong, what, what the real story was. But do you have any sympathy for Mourinho, maybe? I think it's too easy to just place all the blame at his door, like Samuel said. When Sir Alice Ferguson left, David Gill left at the same time, and that was a big um, change for United, definitely behind the scenes. And that's sort of been overlooked in the years since Ferguson. Ferguson left and it's just been no one can live up to Ferguson's levels and we're not playing that style of football anymore etc etc but it is behind the scenes and the thing is football's moving on and United's structure hasn't moved on and it's interesting that Mourinho would come out and say that he would work with a director of football full well knowing that United have briefed the total opposite so I think there's a Mourinho's always going to divide the fans it didn't work out I don't think there's any reason for any too many hard feelings there because it wasn't all his fault in my opinion yeah it's interesting that it's almost like Mourinho was the victim of just a club that hadn't caught up with the modern way in football but I don't um, think he's caught up with the modern yeah. way of football either because yeah, he's he's stuck in the past in and the way that he was speaking on the being sport thing suggests that he has he learned anything from his failed time at United he's still you, you just know that he'll go to his next club and it seems like he's going to play the same style yeah, of football it was very Alan Partridge does, almost I, did, I didn't quit the BBC the BBC quit me but, but it didn't work for him at United did it and he yeah. and he named Pep and he admitted Ancelotti, to yeah Ancelotti but he didn't name Klopp and Pochettino they've both managed to and I know Pochettino and Klopp haven't won 
things, but they've, they've come. They've won our hearts, Sean. <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> they've come and they've imposed their style of football on their football team. And Mourinho just decided to stick with the style of football that won him trophies when he first arrived in the Premier League and that doesn't work anymore. I guess it was naive on his part. I guess maybe in general it was interesting about the director of football. Samuel, do you have any maybe updates or do you have any idea what, what's going on with that? Because was there not a suggestion they wanted someone in place by the end of last year or...? I think they've I think they did flip flop over it in terms of they they made it clear at the time that Mourinho was in charge that they had plans to appoint one. Mourinho was asked about it once or twice in press conferences but didn't say too much. Uh being at Carrington for the for the press conference today, uh it, it was you know, we were kind of reminded that uh, director of football they do want to appoint one ideally before next season probably May or June time so that it coincides with the new with the appointment of the of the permanent manager so that's really the only update on it at the moment there's there's not much else to add at the moment they'll just be going through doing due diligence on, on who that that individual is, is, is going to be but I think you know they found they found it quite ironic that Mourinho was complaining about a director of football not being placed at United uh, when, you know, even just looking from the outside and looking at his track record with directors of, of football, he doesn't he doesn't work well with them. He, he seemed, at his best, he thrived when he had autonomy. One of the chief reasons why he ended up leaving Chelsea the first time was, I think, in that January, he wanted to sign Tal ben Haim, but there were... Um, there, there were boardroom wranglings over that as well. So he, his power was eroding at Chelsea in that in that final year, and of course when he went back there again, I think his, his last transfer window was just an absolute disaster. I think was it Michael Hector, Papi, Julie Barley, Falcao. You know that they weren't. Some of them were very much his signings. Others weren't. And I mean, it, he took the opportunity to mention how he was the guy who who signed Mohamed Salah and wasn't the wasn't the man who sold him. So it's always easy to twist um, you know twist twist perceptions of, of of certain individuals when you when you come into contact with them but as I said yeah I, I, I did, I, if United haven't got a director of football in time for the summer transfer window then I think the supporters are going to be a little bit worried about that do you not just think as well that the being sport interview I think there was undertones of him hitting back at every single suggestion about the what he failed at United director of football oh that was my, my fault I, yeah. I wanted one of them um, Pogba not my fault no yeah. I, I followed Fergie's lead no no players bigger than the club every it wasn't because he didn't mention United and nothing was directed towards them it just seemed like all the little bits of information Slide he eggs. was feeding in you could say there were answers to every, the majority of things he was criticised for I mean in fairness with with obviously the director of football thing he's he's kind of like that that's his criticism of Woodward because he doubles as a director of football or, or certainly looking at certain targets I mean he's the one who could Mourinho will say well I think you need to push the out for Toby Oldfield he'll say mm-hmm. no we're not going to do that uh, in the summer they ended it I mean the drop off in transfer expenditure in successive summer transfer windows is just 
incredible for a club of that size. You know, something was all right there. They ended it without two key targets. Mourinho was vindicated um, in his in his desire to sign a centre half. The summer before that, they couldn't do anything about the Griezmann decision. Uh, the court of arbitration for sport made that their mind up, made Griezmann's mind up for him then that he felt he had to stay with that less out of loyalty because they upheld the transfer ban I think Mourinho probably feels a bit bitter about even Perisic because United didn't pay the £50 million for him but I think people rightly argue would he really have made that much of a difference you could see where Mourinho was coming from in that he wanted a specialist winger to provide service for Lukaku but he did spend an awful lot of money. He spent £358.7 million. And you know, this season, it wasn't so much the City and the Liverpool games that reflected badly on, on him, even though they did, because United have gone to Tottenham, not just giving them a really good game, they've actually beaten them. But it was games like West Ham away. Oh, they've got a back three. We need to go to a back three. And you get beat. Southampton away... You know, coming up against relegation fodder they've got a bat three we've got to go to a bat three and they're 2-0 down inside 20 minutes so he, he really didn't help himself in, in a lot of areas but I, I think going back to the centre half point what's interesting is that you look at I think since that that summer Ferguson left how much City and Liverpool have spent on centre backs and I think City it's something like £170 million, pounds, Liverpool £130 million. Pounds. United have spent, I think it's £76.9 million on three centre-halves, which are Rojo, Bailly and Lindelof. So it just goes to show that there are two sides for every story. You can suit the agenda. You can spin it to suit your agenda if you want to. Ultimately, the blame lied with the manager, with the players with Woodward with the Glazers it was apportioned all round but as the cliche goes the buck always stops with the manager because Charlotte from a United point of view you must be glad not only in the terms that Mourinho departed before Christmas and the results have improved but would you have worried about Mourinho's maybe if he did spend in the Giants transfer window you talk about his track record of players he brought in I know Samuel alluded to transfer windows at Chelsea as well but mm. maybe this is a manager not only out of touch tactically but with the recruitment as well I just think that from what's been what's been told and suggested that the transfer strategies remain in, has remained the same and that if United were going to bring someone in in this window it would always have been a centre back wouldn't it if yeah. we yeah. don't understand that they're not looking to bring anyone in no, it would I, be a surpri- it would be a massive surprise if they brought anyone in this yeah, window wouldn't I mean, the, it the, the managerial change pretty much I think even though they said at the time we're open for business but it's but there's always that it's caveat all, yeah. it's very difficult to sign this player which is fair enough because it is really it, it's a pest of a time to try and do business unless you're going to do what Liverpool did and you think we really want Virgil van Dijk and we will pay whatever it takes to get him and that's paid off the problem with Van Dijk was that that was a watershed moment for United in that come the summer they ask Inter how much do you want for Milan Skriniar they say 76 million um, rather naively they start getting interest in Harry Maguire because he has a few good games at a World Cup and Leicester say okay 75 million it's not a coincidence that they're quoting those fees Tottenham you know, justifiably wanted an awful lot for Alderweireld despite his co- contract situation, and I think Woodward as, was also a little bit nervous of dealing with them because they were very interested in um, Anthony Marshall, and I think they wanted Matter as well. So again, 
you know, maybe somewhat justifiably, Wood would prioritise keeping Marshall rather than bringing a defender in. Um, I think Mourinho would obviously disagree with him on that one. Uh, but it's, you know, certainly this month, Solskjaer, I think he's, he said it wasn't, it was, the final decision wasn't going to rest with him anyway on transfers. As soon as he said that, I thought, well, this is going to be another dormant month here. Yeah, and I guess every big club like United can always use the phrase that if a right player comes available for the right price, they can make the move then, but yeah. they don't necessarily need to. Producer Ash has given us a, all a treat this week. He's given us a quiz question to mark the halfway point in the podcast. So don't answer too quickly. We will be back after a short break. But here's a little teaser for everyone listening to the Manchester Red podcast. United had four captains in the 1990s, but who were they? We will be back after a short pause and you can give us our answers have a moment to dwell on this hello and welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast (laughs) giggles all around here we left you with the teaser just before the break United had four captains in the 1990s who are they? should we go for two each from both of you? that's easy I mean Bruce and Robson two left Charlotte Keane Neville no. no, no, Keen oh, and oh yeah, because it's Cantona. not Cantona. and Cantona. Oh, I'm not good with dates. We'll we'll just have to just edit you that out. bit out. Yeah. You could edit it out and then just pretend I said the right answer. Okay, we'll do that. I'm not sure how we're going to make Samuel's voice sound <laughs> yours. But that's the problem for Ash to worry about. Well done if you got those right. Is that a feature that's going to be coming back, Ash? It will. It will be. It's not getting edited, but we'll be having these back every week, these teaser questions. If you want them. That's reason enough to subscribe if you haven't already, isn't it? But uh, while we're on the talk, just before the break of transfers, the exciting one, Samuel United have, are close to completing their first signing of the giant transfer window. Some person called Noam Emerom. Some person. I think Amiens. actually you're, you're more qualified to tell the listeners I don't think about anyone's him. qualified to talk. He's a 16-year-old left winger who obviously has already been compared to Marshall and Leroy Sane because yeah, everyone who's... Who the, is he, the new... He's the new... Dot, dot, yeah, dot. we've already got them. Ne- it was Neymar Sane, uh, Marshall and Gal Kakuta. He was, Gal uh, Kakuta. Who, if you don't know, was a <laughs> well, failed it, it, Chelsea yeah, youngster. It, it could go the way of Gal Kakuta. Which, so it doesn't for him. We didn't get too excited about that. But as we said before, transfer's unlikely this month, Samuel. Yeah, uh, I mean, Solskjaer blocked uh, some, some loan deals... Uh, a few of the more high-profile youngsters had lined up. I was, I was told Angel Gomez was one of them, and obviously Gomez, Chong, Garner, and, and Greenwood went on that uh, week of warm weather training in Dubai. I think that there could still be some business, but it will only be you know under fringe academy players who who will head out on loan. I think on deadline day last year was it Massey Willett, Dimitri Mitchell, and, and Charlie Scott left on loan. So that. With all due respect to the under-23s at the moment, it, you, you're really looking at, at small fry deals happening. Ethan Hamilton's obviously gone gone to Rochdale on loan and, and scored, scored a very, worldy, yeah, scored a very good goal on his debut. So uh, you, you're looking at Regan Paul, possibly. Um, He's been linked with Newport, hasn't he? Yeah, I know. I know because obviously Willett's come back from St Mirren that he's trying to get a move. Not not back to Scotland this time because I think he was at St Johnston last last year so um, United are trying to arrange something for him I think his contract's up at the end of the season as well so he, he was in the, the reserves the other night he, he really needs to leave permanently and get a relatively decent club to to reignite his career because it's just not happened uh, up in Scotland 
Yeah, and I guess uh, while we're on that, the under 23s played on Thursday night. Like, there was no Chong and Gomez in that side, so another good indication that they could be involved this weekend, Charlotte. Yeah, possibly. Although when you um, the team news, injury news that um, Solskjaer gave today, you I think he's fully, nearly a fully fit squad. It's in defence that he's uh, lacking in numbers rather than going forward. Alexis Sanchez is supposedly back after recovering from his latest setback whatever that may be <laughs> doesn't sound very sympathetic that Charlotte I don't know what his setback we don't he keeps having these setbacks and we're it's so, apparently it's, a niggle it's mm-hmm. uh, there we go mm-hmm. a year on and we're still waiting like for that big performance but that's a whole other story so yeah he's back and when you've got the front three of Martial Lingard Rashford yeah, picks Lukaku, itself the attacking sort of and Alexis Sanchez is um, is ch- Chong going to come on? I highly doubt it. It'd speak volumes, wouldn't it, if that happened? But maybe they might be involved in the in the squad. Who knows? I don't think so. No, I think I, you, I, I was I was looking at it. you could have a bench of uh, Romero, Dallow, Bai, Fred, Mata, Sanchez, and Lukaku, which is, is very very strong. I mean, maybe Fred will be granted some time off because his his wife's just given birth. Um, so maybe that could let them in but there's McTominay there's Darmian um, who else am I missing out someone else I can't Andres <laughs> Pereira maybe oh Pereira yeah. sorry yeah Pereira's there's always a few that escape escape yeah. the thoughts but yeah you speaking today you went to Solskjaer's press conference what, what type of mood was he I know he gave us the devastating news that Fellaini's out for next month no. I, thought, I thought you were going to say the devastating news that Scott McTominay yeah I thought you were going to say that as well. <laughs> there was there's it was a bit weird that because when he said it, I, th- I thought, was he referring to he's on a contract? He's or? just been given a new well, deal exactly. not that long he, ago, wasn't he, he? I think he signed one in, it was either October or November last yeah. season until 2021. Um, but his agent was at Carrington on Thursday, which I'd have thought before Solskjaer said that, that it would have just been to touch base with United to see if, if he's going out on loan this month. Obviously, Fellaini's out for four weeks, which Solskjaer kind of indicates it means that McTominay's staying uh, because they, they just need that, that security there. I think they've got, what, they've got seven, seven central midfielders, which is quite a lot. So if they were all fully fit, you might have it seemed feasible that he would have gone out on loan. Uh, the contract thing, I just... I, I can't quite fathom that if indeed they are offering him a new contract because as I said there, there was a little bit of element, there was an element of confusion there that why would you give a new contract to a fringe player who started four times this season mm. I think um, and hasn't started under that manager yeah in the league Did, yeah. is he started in started ready, 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 ready yeah, but in the league, game, but yeah. in the league he hasn't he's the least um, worst midfielder that day which says a lot against Reading <laughs> yeah. he was I, I think we tried to just banish that game from memory to be honest yeah. it happened and, and, and he's also got the dubious uh, honour of I think in all three league games he started the season the opposition have scored twice in the first half <laughs> of each game so it's, it's hard it's hard to be hardening because it's not his fault that because he's tall, Mourinho decided to put him in the first team squad, and you know he's, he's a steady player at best. But I think he's he's overachieved by by even playing for the United first team. He is. He, I think you know he was Mourinho's Paddy McNair in in that respect. So and it was circumstance that allowed him in, wasn't it? Because, because of the Pereira, inju- uh, the injury crisis, yeah, yeah, and the in- then Pereira, and Pereira was went out on loan, on loan um, which again I still think might. 
might still be seen as the defining moment of Pereira's United career unless something drastic happens over the next year uh, so yeah that, that stood out what you said about McTominay um, Fellaini there's been a lot of speculation about his time being up at, at United I think he is was it a two year deal he signed with the option of, yeah. of another mm-hmm. year so it, he's not as that doesn't make him as difficult to budge as maybe someone like Rojo who and it still seems it's still interesting for Lane he's still an effective option for, for quite a lot of teams maybe on the continent more so than in the Premier League well, but. And, and for Solskjaer as well who says he has an X factor yeah. which uh, can be read it two ways either he genuinely does think he has an X factor or uh, like his mentor likes to talk up players before showing them the door the next week which was you know quite a he time he didn't say what his X tactic. factor was no. though did he uh, probably just coming on and creating havoc I mean yeah. there, there I mean, was really, always one sort of novelty act on the X Factor every year isn't there well, he, the, he might get to the live shows but he's not going to win it <laughs> what are you are you trying to say that Marilyn Maybe Fellaini is the Wagner no, or the, yeah the, no, the Wagner novelty of United the, that, that's got a, uh, a Daily Mail piece written below <laughs> which X Factor who, who, yeah, who is the Wagner of Manchester the, the, United I, the irony <laughs> is like United's some some of United's highlights this, this season certainly the highlight the Juventus game he was majorly responsible for winning that game he scored the goal that sent them through in Europe and that Newcastle game that possibly gave Mourinho a stay of execution he had a he had a big influence in that one he, he can be a good squad player but the problem is Mourinho just as soon as he has a decent impact off the bench Mourinho thinks I've got to start this guy every <laughs> week and no you shouldn't he's at his best when he's underused yeah, I guess that is the problem. We'll see what happens. But I guess, as you said before, if players are going to leave this month, it's likely maybe Fellaini and Rojo are the only ones that you could see realistically from first team. But I just, even that's a stretch, isn't it? Yeah. If if they would sell those two, they'd, uh, you, you'd be asking the question, why aren't you bringing anyone, anyone in? Rojo's injured. He's always injured during transfer windows somewhat uh, conveniently. I think um, yeah, we're told he's got a shin injury, which given he sustained that in the Valencia game last month that's a hell of a bad injury to keep you out for for over a month uh, but he does he does genuinely have this tendency to be injured when you know I need to shift him and we're talking about daft contract renewals well his last March is is one of the weirdest in United history I think he started four times for United since since he got that new deal um, so he's become a bit of an immovable object uh, and, and with Fellaini I think the Chinese transfer window is open until the 28th of February so if he does want to join Moussa Dembele out there he has got an extra month to and what a uh, midfield that would be that. I think Axel Witzel's out in Bel- and China still as well it's like a Belgian bad midfielder yeah, reunion yeah. isn't it, it, all, it is. all these past hits we shall see but uh, another game this weekend for United Charlotte Brighton Solskjaer looking for that seven wins from seven uh, it's the type of game that maybe you would have dreaded if Mourinho was still in charge but well, you it's just have to think about what happened at Brighton last time yeah United fans are a mixed message because they ha- did beat them at home in the FA Cup but the last two trips away to Brighton have been woeful too the worst performances yeah. in recent years for United yeah. so I, do, I guess going into the game do you still have those in the back of your mind or do you think that the Solskjaer effect will be an easy no, I think home win especially given what's happened in the last six games since Solskjaer took over there'll only be confidence there I don't think that the defeat earlier in the season will be looming over them especially at Old Trafford you wrote something didn't you about them getting the fear factor back in the team and at Old Trafford and you can't I can't see anything other than the United win yeah, I guess Samuel, in terms of individuals, Lindelof had one of maybe his horror shows Brighton earlier in the season. It's going to be quite a maybe a way 
a marker for him to show how far he's come this season. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that August game was an absolute debacle. Uh, I think it was the end of the bye Lindelof axis as well. And, and of course, I think with that defeat, you thought there's a chance that Mourinho is going to be dismissed early, uh, early on here. I think the only thing you think about now going into a Brighton game is kind of seen as a way to separate the two eras and that United could win really convincingly this weekend, whereas against Brighton at the start of the season, it was one of possibly the nadir of Mourinho's reign, certainly in terms of performances. Um, so there's there's plenty of cause for optimism as there has been over the last month since Solskjaer came in, but Lindelof was performing before um, before that managerial change. Thought he had probably from October onwards. Maybe that Juventus game against Ronaldo, uh, even though United lost, he his individual performance was was really impressive, and he, he, I think he's becoming more extroverted. Um, I think that was possibly an issue at the start when he first came to United. He is by nature more of an introvert than an extrovert and Mourinho's preference is to have these yeah. expressive these these character players players who like to get on well with each other but I think he was a bit more somewhat understandably isolated because he's come to a new club and I don't think there are any other Scandinavians in that squad or any other Swedes so you're bound to feel a little bit on the fringes but he's settled in now and uh, I think he kind of like I only noticed it looking on the highlights but Ericsson taking a second half free kick last week that went a few so, yards wide yeah, and then you've got it. Lindelof celebrating it you, you could have guessed that one was a Dane and, and one was a Swede so even little things like that I think um, are a mark of, of how far he's he's come and he's he's been a first teamer in that defence for three or four months now so he, he'd hope to have a, a relatively quiet afternoon against Brighton but he can use that performance in August as you know a reminder of how how low he was back then and and just just how what a different place he's in at the moment. How good Glenn Murray is, but we'll get on to that's another yeah. podcast. But uh, Charlotte, I guess with Chelsea playing Arsenal as well this weekend, the Saturday night, uh, there is maybe pressure on United to get the result. Maybe they can't afford the complacency because it's such a big weekend for United and they could really put up the pressure. Yeah, and it'll just show even in a short space of time, the big impact that Solskjaer has had if if it's, say, it's a draw in the other game and United can capitalise and put they get so much closer. To the, can they push into the top four mathematically? Probably not. Anyone, Probably no. would be useful no. if we knew this. But it I don't think be. so because one of them's got to... I don't think we They're six, point. six, six points off Chelsea, Chelsea. aren't they? Yeah, mm. so even if Chelsea lose, but... Um, yeah, it just shows the intent because if you go back to these podcasts probably two months ago... We were none of us were very optimistic about United getting top four, but now it seems a real possibility. But I don't think there'll be any complacency within the team because I don't think Solskjaer will let that happen. He referenced that in his press conference this morning, didn't he? About the players not being complacent. And I think it's that sort of thing he'll drill into them as much as he will the tactics on the training pitch as well. Yeah, I guess the final sort of point. So it's going to be the same 11 that we've seen over the past few weeks, do you think? Yeah, there's no midweek games. There's no there's no need to rotate there. Um, you imagine there'll be maybe one or two changes for that Burnley game at the end of the month because that comes, I think, three Tuesday, or four. Yeah, three or four yeah. days after the Arsenal match. But 
when you've got a winning team and he played that team against Cardiff they they won both those games you know very different methods of winning those games but that's his his first 11 at the moment you'd probably say that now Bay is available he could put pressure on Jones who you, looking back at the highlights didn't realise it as much but he, he was the one who tended to be giving away the chances in terms of his positioning um, against Tottenham and, and getting caught out so at the at the current time, I'd probably say that what's what's really impressive about Solskjaer is that he seems to have settled on a first eleven within what, the space of a month, and that was beyond Mourinho throughout the whole season. He just he, he couldn't do it. He was he'd make these just just these really maddening, maddening selections that you just thought, what what are you playing at here? What what is the gist of this? And. I'd say apart from maybe right back and that that position next to Lindelof in the defence, you'd say the other nine players are absolutely certain of starting every Premier League game. Uh, it's good to keep players on their toes, and as I said earlier about the, the, the how you know the calibre of the bench potentially against Brighton, uh, they're always going to be players challenging for those roles. So. Um, yeah, it's you know, it's. I think I don't think anybody's expecting anything other than a win, Depends which on. is a mark of how how far mm. they've come in this time. Depends how busy the Brighton spies have been this week, I guess. But we shall see about that. It's very, Saturday. very. It's. Very, I was thinking driving into Carrington. It's an incredibly difficult place to. Uh, you just couldn't spy. do it. You'd have to get no. a drone, wouldn't you? Yeah, and, and they're, they're banned. They're, there are even signs outside saying no, no drones allowed. So yeah. unlucky, Chris Heaton. Look at that as a sound bite. That's going to be a good little vine. <laughs> Go all around the world. What else did you want me to say? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe some tactical analysis. But yeah, no, I well, gave you a bad question. You, you gave did. me a bad answer. Yeah, well, you just get what you get. What you're given. <laughs> My only uh, tactical analysis that I would give you is that I think while it will be the same starting eleven, I. Can't can't see them setting up in the same way that they did against Spurs. Mm-hmm. Playing Jesse Lingard in that role worked really well against Spurs, but I don't think Brighton are going to pose as much of a threat. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that a better answer that for is, you? But, um, that, was, that was a good answer. <laughs> let's hope United win then. We'll be back next week to find out if they do, and we will preview that big FA Cup game against Arsenal next Friday night. Samuel and Charlotte, thank you very much thank for you. joining thank us you. on the Manchester's Red podcast. Please do make sure to leave a like, subscribe and a rating if you haven't already and join us again next week.